Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up your pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and our speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. The first song by the quartet is a question as well as a challenge. We hope that each of you will be able to answer in the affirmative. There's a place in the ranks to be filled today Who will stand with the tried and true Mid the battles din and the cannons roar Can the master count on you? Can the master count on you? Are you one of the tried and true? Hear the battle cry, you must fight or die. Can the master count on you? Will you join our ranks as we march along to the mansions prepared on high? To adore our King mid the blood-washed throng Where the saints shall never die Can the Master count? Can he count on you? Are you one of the tried of the tried and true? Hear the battle cry, you must fight or die Can the Master count on you? Heavenly Father, we seek thy blessing upon this broadcast today and upon everyone who listens. Help us to make thy word clear and plain and give us spiritual benefit in Christ's name. Near to the heart of God. 
O Jesus, blessed Redeemer. Sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. The second coming of Christ is the important event to which we all should look forward to with joy. Ms. Del Delker voices this assurance, I know I'll see Jesus someday.
endless transient joys behind. Come thou near, come thou near. In thy presence all in all I find. Tis my comfort here. Holy thine, holy thine, holy thine, this is my vow. Holy thine, holy thine, holy thine, O Lord, just now. Thank you, King's Heralds. And may this song be the prayer of every listener. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, The House with the Forgotten Book. And our subject, The House with the Forgotten Book, is actually the true story of a time when the Holy Book of God was really forgotten, right in the house of God. We read the story here in the 22nd chapter of the book of 2 Kings. Josiah, one of the best kings who ever sat upon the throne of Judah, began to reign when he was only eight years old. His father and grandfather had been wicked kings and had forsaken the worship of the true God, and they had brought every kind of idolatry in its worst features from the surrounding nations into Jerusalem. King Manasseh had actually built altars and places of worship for the sun god and for the worship of the planets. He even went so far as to build altars to these Canaanitish gods right in the house of the Lord, in the very temple itself. The scripture says he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house to which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Second Kings, the 21st chapter. God had promised to support Israel as a nation in the Holy Land as long as they observed his commandments and were faithful to him. Their prosperity was conditioned entirely upon true obedience. But, says the historian of the sacred word, they hearkened not. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before them. Manasseh's long reign of 56 years, well, 55 years at least, was a nightmare to the worshipers of the true God. Apparently the services of the temple ceased. The building fell into disrepair. Just before he died, the king turned to God and tried to undo some of the evil he had done. But he couldn't change the life of his son Amon, who reigned wickedly for two more years. Then his grandson Josiah came to the throne, the good king who desired to do God's work. He started a great revival, did everything he could to turn the hearts of the people everywhere back to the word of God. He broke down the idolatrous images. He called upon the people to worship the true God. And this great reformation, headed by the king, began when he was only 16 years old. When he was 18, he began to restore the temple to its former condition. In this he was helped by the high priest Hilkiah, a true man of God. Apparently the interior of the temple had 
been not only desecrated but despoiled. So it took a lot of work and money to restore it. And when this reconstruction was going on, something happened. The high priest found the book that had been lost. Think of it, the book of God lost in the house of God. No one had seen it for years. In fact, they evidently did not know it existed. Let's read the story here in the words of the scripture itself. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again. And Shaphan showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. Why was the king so deeply affected by the reading of this book? Why? I'll tell you why. Because in the book he read the list of the terrible threats and curses pronounced upon the people who had violated this law. Upon the prince, too, if he permitted it. There must have been other copies of this book, of course, available in the country because the people had a knowledge of right and wrong, and the king had been attempting to put down idolatry and restore true worship. King Josiah may have known the contents of the book to some degree, but he may not have been familiar with the passage read to him. On hearing it, he understood its application to him and the professed people of God. He had strong faith in the word of God, and he realized that because of the idolatry and apostasy and the sin of the people, they were now open to all the judgments of God pronounced in this book. It came on him with overwhelming force. He's an earnest and devout man. So immediately he sent the scribe to the prophetess who was in Jerusalem to inquire of the Lord. There are many examples in the Bible where the king or someone in authority would send to one of God's prophets for special light to ask the will of God. As a result of the king's leadership and his earnestness, a great revival broke out. They followed the instruction of the prophetess Huldah, as we read in the next chapter. And every word that she sent to the king was later exactly fulfilled. This book, which we might call the manuscript lost, but now the manuscript found, was the Law of Moses, or the Pentateuch. It was the temple copy which had been laid beside the ark in the most holy place, as we find instruction in Deuteronomy 31, 25. During the wicked reigns of Manasseh and Ammon, and possibly other kings, the temple had been profaned. The ark had actually been removed from its place. During these troublous times, the book had somehow become lost. Some ancient records say it was probably deposited in a secret recess in the temple by some faithful priest in those days of idolatry. Now as the temple was repaired, the book was found and delivered to the high priest. He recognized it for what it was. And Shaphan, the scribe, read it. That's what we all ought to do with the Word of God, not only to be interested in it, but read it. Many people honor the Bible as a sort of talisman or charm, but it's nothing of the kind. It's the Word of God to the hearts of men, and it's to be read. Every one of us suffers a terrible loss, friends, if we do not read it. Patrick Henry, the patriot of American freedom, who at one time said, Give me liberty or give me death, near the close of his life said, Here's the book, the Bible, worth more than all others that were ever printed, and yet it's my misfortune never to have found time to read it. Think of that. If we don't read the Bible, it's the lost book as far as we're concerned. Then it's lost in our house, just as it was lost in the house of the Lord long ago. It was Sir Walter Scott who said of the Bible, 
Within this awful volume lies the mystery of mysteries. Happiest they of the human race to whom God has granted grace to read, to fear, to hope, to pray, to lift the latch and force the way, and better had they ne'er been born who read to doubt or read to scorn. Should we find this lost book, the Bible, and read it as did those men of old, it might change our lives as it did theirs. We may find that we need to change our lives, like King Josiah. We need to humble ourselves and weep before the Lord to seek his pardon. You see, the king made a thorough work of repentance and reformation, and God accepted him. And all the people made a solemn covenant to keep the commandments of God. Really, radio friends, isn't this our need today? We need to repent of the evil of our past doings. We need to seek God with all our hearts. We must believe that God means just what he says and make no compromise with evil in any way. And by the way, in reading Holy Scripture, we should read it as we read other books in the light of grammatical laws. Then every true interpretation and exposition of it will harmonize with all other Scripture. The Scripture is never contrary to itself. Then, too, Scripture must be compared with Scripture if we wish to know the truth. It must be rightly divided, as we read in 1 Timothy 2.15. That is, we are not to take our own theories to the Bible and try to find some text to uphold them. The Holy Scripture is to be taken literally, unless by the context it's clearly shown to be figurative. The Bible is not only lost in many homes because people never read it, or if they do read it, they do not believe it. But listen, it's often lost even in churches today. Some preachers very seldom preach from the Bible. They may take a text for their sermon, as one might get up on a diving board and leap from it and swim away, but what the people are hungry for is real Bible preaching, expository preaching, explaining the Word, bringing from the Scripture here a little and there a little, as we read in Isaiah 28.10. Then the people will say, as they did of the words of Jesus, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? Luke twenty four thirty two. Jesus began right at the book of Genesis, and going on through all the Old Testament, he explained all the prophecies that applied to himself. Luke twenty four twenty seven says he did that. We need light in all the dark places of life. And the only light that will truly satisfy is God's light. Of Holy Scripture it is written in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And God's book is a light for life's pathway. It's more than that, though. It's life itself. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus said that. Matthew 4, verse 4 records it. To every minister, yes, to every believer, the words of Jesus come, feed my sheep. But what are they to be fed? They are to be fed with bread of heaven, the word of God, without which no man can truly live. Are we feeding upon that holy word? There's a difference between finding the book that was lost and feeding upon it. The high priest Hilkiah found the book, but the king fed upon it. And this double necessity of finding it and feeding upon it 
is clearly declared by the prophet Jeremiah of his own experience. We read it here in Jeremiah 15:16. Thy words were found, he says, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Friends, the lost book must first be found. It may be hidden away in the bookcase or covered with cobwebs in the attic. Or we might even be reading it every day but never really find it, never be interested in it, never believe it. It may be on the desk in the holy house of God but still lost. First, we must find it, take an interest in it, recognize it as God's word. We must, yes, we must study it. That's finding it. Then we must feed upon it, literally eat it. Did you ever eat a book? Well, my friends, to eat it is to chew it, to taste it, to enjoy it, to make it a part of our spiritual life. King Josiah did this. It changed his whole life. A radio friend, have you ever found the book of God and has the book ever found you? Those who take this book of God to lands where it has never been known can certainly testify to its power in finding men and what testimonies these workers can bear. It finds the human heart right where it is and transforms it. We are told that after Dr. Chamberlain had read the first chapter of Romans to the people of an East Indian city, a very intelligent Brahmin gentleman said to him, Sir, that chapter was written by one of you missionaries about us Hindus. It describes us exactly. Yet nobody disputes that the book of Romans was certainly written by the Apostle Paul about 1,800 years before any Christian missionaries ever went to India. A learned Chinese scholar was once employed to translate the New Testament into Chinese. At first, the work of translating had no effect upon this cultured man. But after some time, he became quite distressed and agitated and said, What a wonderful book this is. Why so? asked the missionary. Because, said the translator, it tells us so exactly about myself. It knows all that's within me. The one who made this book must have made me. And this book, my friend will do the same for you and for me and for everybody who truly finds it. It's the book that has been lost many, many times and found many, many times, but it will never be destroyed. Its work will go on until Jesus comes, for it is the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Thank you. 
This is Orville Iverson, your Associate Minister of the Voice of Prophecy, reminding young and old alike that we can go farther when we look up, going forward in faith. Have faith in God. Your hand in love he took. Have faith in God. Though truth you once forsook, have faith in God and his forgotten book. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope that this program of ours has served to give you spiritual strength for the coming week. And we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.